Welcome to Inside the Three, the only football-related podcast that brings you unfiltered discussions. These defenses are starting to pick apart the Steelers, and the fact that our offense is start, starting to crumble right now, I'm going to say it. I don't think they're for real. I think this is probably the biggest joke team to start off 11-0. Bold hot takes. I'm telling you right now, unranked ball state is going to go ahead and beat San Jose State. You cannot be sleeping on these Cardinals, and they are on fire. An analysis regarding the latest football games that will make you want to throw your intellectual challenge flag. Give them something against someone like Georgia. But open up that number four spot for a team such as like Texas A&M. Shout out to Dude Perfect. Those guys are probably livid right now because Ohio State is taking up this four seed, when in reality, A&M has been playing out of their mind. Cincinnati, who's 8-0 and ranked number eight in the nation. That's disrespectful. Get ready, cause the ball is spotted. Inside the three. Welcome back inside the three, everybody. Jake and JT joining you for this special edition of our uh, weekly episodic podcast. Um, today, we're joined by a very special guest, uh, one of the co-founders of Cleveland Sports Talk, Zach Shafron. Zach, good to have you on the show. Good to have you on our, as our first guest on the show. Uh, thanks for going inside the three with us. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No problem at all. And for you, the listener, if you want to go follow Cleveland Sports Talk, if you aren't already, you can find them on Twitter and Instagram at CLE Sports Talk. Uh, that's CLE Sports Talk. Uh, we'll include it in the description of this podcast and on YouTube. So you can go ahead, find a direct link. Uh, Zach, do you guys have a Facebook page at all? Yeah, we, we do have a Facebook page and it's just uh, Cleveland Sports Talk. Um so if you just spell that out in the search bar, you will be able to find it on Facebook. All right, cool. And we highly encourage our listeners to go follow them. Uh, they are a great source for Cleveland sports talk, not just for the Browns, which we're going to be dissecting here in a little bit, but uh, they also talk about the Cavaliers and the Indians and a few other sports teams from around that area. So great source for Cleveland sports. Go ahead and follow them. But as for today's uh, episode, we're going to focus mainly on the Browns uh, and a little bit of the AFC North here in a little bit. And then we're also going to get Zach's picks for who he thinks are going to win the AFC and NFC championships in the Super Bowl. That's all coming up. So if you got some time, grab a soda, grab a snack and take a seat and take a listen to this as we dissect into some Cleveland sports, more or less the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the first topic I have on the agenda for today, I want to talk about the biggest, probably the biggest theme that surrounds the Browns right now. And that's from rags to riches, their true story of, you know, and Zach, obviously you would know more about this as you follow them closer than we most likely do. Um, it, it started off where Cleveland Browns, you know, it's kind of hard to find wins, but then you bring in this overhaul of new coaching, new players. Uh, they made the most of last year's draft picks, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, I, I just need to know from a true Cleveland fan, how does how much of a relief is it to know that the Browns are finally back in the spotlight and rightfully so? Well, it's, it's an incredible relief, as, as you just said. I think that the Cleveland fans have, come so, have become so accustomed to losing seasons and, and losing football that it was really just the, normal, the normalcy to just see the team win four games or, or five games a year. And so to actually have a team that was competitive, that was able to make the playoffs, and that was able to compete in the playoffs with a win over the Steelers was just an incredible feeling as a fan. And it was really just overall great for the city because the Browns have such a historic, um, 
history of back in the day, they were a great team. And then really since they came back is when they struggled. And so it's nice to see the team finally winning again. Yeah, and, and you touched on it. And this is something I kind of want to get your opinion on, on was pretty much the fact that Cleveland, like you said, really hasn't had that much to really celebrate in terms of a football aspect. So, oh, really, this is kind of the first year in a long time, like you said, that you mentioned, they actually had something to celebrate it about. Um, um, pretty much going on that, but what's it like now knowing that Cleveland is, you know, Oh, the Indians, they're still contenders. We all know that at for MLB. Cavs, they're rebuilding, but they look strong. And obviously for basketball, one through eight, you get a playoff spot. Could easily make it that Eastern Conference a little bit weak. So anybody can make it in six through eight. So what does this kind of mean for like Cleveland sports and everything like that? That, you know, they actually have something to look forward to. Like, if you will, oh, come spring and summer with baseball all and the Indians with fall and winter with the um with football and then just going into winter and and spring with basketball what does it mean for Cleveland fans to pretty much have this aspect of now winning in teams and a winning passion because the other thing you look at Indians ins made it to the World Series Cavs first first championship in a long time or actually I think first championship in franchise history so what does that mean for Cleveland fans? Well, it means the world to the fans. And I would say that most Cleveland fans would say that if they had to pick a, a favorite team, it would be the Browns. So thus Cleveland is a football town. And with the way, like we just talked about, with the way this season went and the future of this football football team, it's really exciting. But it's also exciting to have a basketball team in the Cavs that has some nice pieces to it. They're really starting to build something, you know, post LeBron once again. And then the Indians are still contenders. I mean, they did make a trade uh, and got rid of Francisco Lindor, which was what many would say was our best player. But um, besides that, they're still they're still on the hunt. So yeah, it is exciting to be a Cleveland fan at this point, but especially with the Browns and people are already looking forward to next season. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you brought up a good point. That's more of a transition topic for my next question for you. Um, with the recent success of the Browns, especially going from essentially zero to a hundred, what do you consider to be the biggest factor or factors for their success? Would it be new coach Baker Mayfield being that leader that he is, as we saw when he was with Oklahoma, a good draft class. I mean, you got to remember, I mean, you obviously do, but for those that don't follow the Browns as closely, a lot of their key players this year really rose out and they were drafted last season. Jedrick Wills is tackle. And I know a lot of people thought that was a weird move, especially with the 10th pick in the overall in the draft. And then in round six, which I consider now looking back on it, the steal of the draft, Donovan Beeples-Jones, which really broke out to be one of the biggest performers for the Cleveland Browns. But Zach, in your opinion, what do you consider to be the best factors for the Brown success? Well, I would say that the two biggest factors, number one, quarterback Baker Mayfield, obviously. And then the second one is head coach uh, Kevin Stefanski. I just feel like the way Stefanski operates the team and has the entire organization running 
is absolutely incredible. He does such a great job with just he, he, he stays cool, calm and collected. And he also just, I feel has this, this way about him where players respect him. Yet at the same time, they can relate to him. And he's just really able to do the job of being the head coach of an NFL team, which is not easy. And he is able to um, keep the players in line, keep everyone in check and still has the knowledge to run the football team. And we saw it with the success this season and hopefully it will carry on in the future. Now, the one thing that I definitely want to talk touch on, we touch on the team and everything like that. The one thing I definitely want to bring up, and honestly, I think we'd be fools not to bring this up. It's the upgraded defense. And this is a team that didn't really know, in a way, a Cleveland's been scheming with their defensive scam standpoints. They were a 3-4 at one point. Then they were a 4-3. Then they were an absolutely, we don't know. We'll just throw out a defense and everything. Records showed in the past and everything. But for the first time in a long time, and Zach, I don't know how you feel about this. I want to get the, this, this is why I want to get your take on this. Is For the first time in a long time, the Cleveland defense actually looked like it had something it hadn't had in a long time. And that was confidence. Now, the defense... Obviously, you can make the argument it ran by Miles Garrett and, you know, Sheldon Richardson at the D tackle as well. Oh, but it also goes out to, you know, some of the cornerbacks that they had. Denzel Ward had a phenomenal full season at cornerback at Terrence Mitchell. Oh, he was a force to be reckoned with on the right side of cornerback. And then Ronnie Harrison had a phenomenal season as well for strong safety. Obviously, we haven't been able to see for a long, long time that the Browns have had a solid defense. But honestly, Zach, in your opinion, where does this defense rank, in your opinion, amongst some of the best? Because obviously, it, it has to be up there with some of the better Cleveland defenses that they've shown over the past couple of years. And also, what kind of like confidence does this bring for this Cleveland team nowadays that they actually have a defense that can run with one of the more defensive heavy divisions in the AFC North throughout the next couple of years. Yeah. So I completely agree. And you mentioned obviously miles Garrett, who is everyone's number one pick as the best player on the defense. And I'd say close second is Denzel Ward as well. And this defense as a whole, I think there's definitely room for improvement, but I would rank them in the top half of the NFL amongst defenses and that's a lot better than most years for the Browns usually the Browns are in the back if not half um, one of the worst defenses in all of football so it's nice to finally have a group of guys on the defensive side of the ball that are really able to actually maintain their part of the football team and this allows Baker Mayfield and the offense to not have to put up, you know, 40 points a game just to beat an average team or whatnot. And and sure, there's room for improvement. And with COVID-19 and everything, some players were unable to play in some games, and that was also difficult. So I feel like the defense is on the, the right track, finally, to becoming one of the elite defenses in the coming years. 
And this year alone, like I said, I would say top half, but I feel like that's only going to go up with draft picks, free agency, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the draft picks and free agency. Can you break down exactly how the D, how the Cleveland's uh, this upcoming draft will work out for Cleveland? Because don't they have a few top picks that they acquired in trades over the past few years? Yeah. So I think that it, it's difficult for us Browns fans because we're so used to having a a top pick and to be talking about the draft really from the middle of the season on to when the actual draft is. I think a place the Browns could certainly improve at is linebacker. And one guy that a lot of people are talking about is Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. I think that would be a great pick and a great addition to the defense as a whole. And then certainly there are other places they could look. I could see them trying to bulk up the defensive line or the cornerbacks really anywhere in the defense they could use some assistance with but it it's nice knowing that the team isn't picking in the top five but then at the same time you know that the players available it's going to be a different type of player you're not going to get that top guy like we're so used to every year but clearly that in the past didn't seem to work anyway. So this looks good. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to talk about, like we touch on free agency and everything like that, that, or well, free agency, obviously kind of just spoil what I was going to say, but also, but we also talk about the draft. I do want to touch on free agency. Now I believe if I'm right for cap space is the Browns are going to have about 21 mil to go after 22 mil. Oh, around that range. And this is the first time the Browns can actually say, and I don't know how many other people can agree with this. Browns can actually look forward to getting a potential big name free agent, if you will, or a key player or because over the past couple of years really hasn't been that at method for the Browns. It's been, you know, sign a guy who, you know, will play decent for us, but not the best. As What is it like this year actually being a team that has a chance to go after, you know, a, a huge name of free agency? Well, like you mentioned, it's certainly nice to have that cap room and that ability to offer whomever they're interested in a large contract. But then at the same time, I feel like players are just simply more interested in coming to Cleveland to play because of how the team played last year from a football standpoint, not necessarily a financial standpoint. And then there's Kevin Stefanski, like we talked about, and just the way he runs the team and how the organization is now built. It's a lot different than it's been in the past. And I think it's very enticing for players to want to come to Cleveland and play for the Browns now than it was before. I kind of compare it to, say, the Cavs when we had LeBron versus when there was no LeBron and how because the addition of LeBron made the Cavs a much better team, it was a lot easier to get free agents 
to sign with Cleveland. And so I think with the Browns, it's similar in, in many aspects with the ability to sign free agents and say, look, we had this plan, we played well this year, and we'd like you to be a part of it in the coming years. And I think that's really great and can really help this team. Um, you mentioned, well, that's actually a good point to transition as well. Uh, you mentioned a lot of the cap space and uh, we just talked about the defense. I wanted to focus a little bit more on the offensive side because with the addition of Kareem Hunt that you guys had, it was a questionable move at first, but once all the dust settled from, you know what, um, he actually turned out to be one of the biggest contributors that went under the radar in the NFL, uh, mainly because, you know, he follows Nick Chubb and then also, also the other uh, deep depth that you guys have at the running back position. Um, I mean, you guys finished the league in third in NFL rushing yards with 2,374, obviously with a stacked running back committee like that. Uh, it's, all, it's always a blessing to have, but did you expect the running back core to be as impressive as it was this past season, given, you know, you had the two big names in Hunt and Chubb, but with the rest of the depth, like, was it as impressive? Like, did you, did it go beyond your expectations or did it settle right around what you thought it was going to be? I think it certainly went beyond my expectations. I would say even with Nick Chubb uh, and Kareem Hunt, both I think performed better than I, I thought they would. I was nervous about Kareem Hunt, obviously because of his off the field issues and you don't want more issues to become a distraction for the team as a whole, but he really did a nice job of keeping his composure and he was able to play for the, uh, for the season and he performed well and he embraced that backup role to Nick Chubb, who is absolutely one of the best running backs in the entire NFL. So that one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt is really difficult for defenses to defend against. It keeps a fresh running back on the field for the entire game. And it also takes a lot off of Baker Mayfield, who isn't relied on to make a pass every single play he has two running backs that he could just hand the ball off to and they can make the plays for him so I think the combination of Chubb and Hunt and then along with the Browns passing game which developed throughout the season I think was just a really great combination that the Browns were able to produce this season yeah 100 percent now the, the, the next question I got for you, we, as much as we talk about the running back court, the one, the, the one group of guys that I think, in my opinion, in my opinion, a lot of people, again, a lot of people will disagree with us. That really is going to probably be the most, in my opinion, the most efficient and probably the more, the more better half have. Cause we talk about, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, probably best two running backs X in in the game, the best one-two punch in the game right now. But the one thing that a lot of people are missing is the fact that you guys were without a very, very key player this year, and that's Odell Beckham. Um, and this is kind of looking forward towards next year and everything like that, if you will. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure you guys are still going to have Jarvis under contract. You're going to have Rashad Higgins, and he'll be running the three. You're going to be getting Odell back, and then you're going to be getting Donovan People. Pulls Jones in as well. Oh, so that's going to be four solid wide receivers. So for next season, obviously looking at that wide receiver core, 
or what what's it going to be like having in probably in my opinion and this will be out there saying it in my opinion what's going to be probably the best wide receiver core in the game and with Beckham with Landry with Higgins and Peoples Jones because for the first time in a while Cleveland has options to throw to yeah, so that's a, a great point. And I'm, I'm just going to use um, an analogy for you real quick. I compare Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield to say you're at a, I don't know, like a school dance and you really want to impress the extremely attractive girl that you're interested in. And so instead of just being yourself and being normal, you act like a totally different person. And so what a lot of Browns fans will say that happened between Baker Mayfield and Odell before he got injured this past season was that Baker would try and force him the ball or wouldn't look at his other receivers. And he just wanted to, every single play, get the ball to OBJ because he's the star. He's the number one guy. And he felt that it was necessary that OBJ had to get his targets. But on the flip side, what ended up happening is when OBJ got hurt, everybody started to see that things almost went better for the Browns and the wide receiver core. And this was because Baker didn't have that pressure of having to force the ball to OBJ every single play. Now, moving forward, and I look at the Chiefs playoff game a lot when thinking about this. What the Browns were missing in that game was a deep ball threat, a guy that could really stretch out the defense, and that is OBJ. So if Baker can find a way to just, you know, relax, be himself, be the quarterback that he knows he can be, and not feel like he has to force the ball to OBJ every single play, I think that you're right when you guys say the Browns could have one of, if not the best wide receiving cores in the entire league. And it could be a deadly combination with the running backs. So I'm excited and it's going to be interesting to see if they do make a move with OBJ or if they decide to keep him and, and make it work, but it is very exciting. A follow-up question I got on that. All right, real quick. I want to go back to something we were bringing up earlier. Well, a little bit earlier, sort of. Uh, it was pretty much when you were talking about, you know, oh, some of the big names that went around Cleveland. Obviously, for the Indians right now, it's it's obvious Lindor just got traded, so now it's Jose Ramirez. As well, people argued that it was Jose Ramirez, as but or before even before Lindor got traded, it. We mentioned LeBron with the Cavs, obviously key name. And now it's Colin Sexton for the Cavs. And really, if you think about it, it's that that's kind of a theme around Cleveland. Not a lot of sports teams really have that, I guess you could say, option for like that one key name and everything like that. If you had to pick one guy from that Cleveland Browns roster, whether it's offense, defense, special teams, teams or even even if you will head coach because a lot of teams do have that who who would you say is the cornerstone for the Cleveland Browns going to be that Cle- Cleveland I guess you could say Cleveland I'm trying to find the right word for it <laughs> my apologies 
kind of like that Cleveland cornerstone, if you will. Oh, the Cleveland franchise is for the Browns over the next couple of years. Well, I think the, the easy choice would be Baker Mayfield, quarterback. But looking at Kevin Stefanski, head coach, and the way he was able to transform this roster and this franchise for this season, I mean, it's no accident that he's winning all these Coach of the Year awards for nothing. I mean, he, he literally turned the Browns around. So I think the Browns' identity is through head coach Kevin Stefanski. And then if you don't want to pick a coach, I would say Baker Mayfield. And finally, like I was saying about OBJ, if Baker and OBJ can figure it out, then that one-two punch of those two could really be a dynamic duo. But I would say Baker Mayfield and then also taking into account head coaches, Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Stefanski is that cornerstone, especially when you look at the team itself, really things didn't turn for the better until, uh, I mean, you could argue that once Baker got to town, things got a little, you know, got a little brighter, but when Stefanski took over his roles, head coach, that's when things, that's when the things really broke open and the light of the tunnel really showed its way. So um, I definitely agree that I think Stefanski could be that, that cornerstone, that major contributor for the Browns team. And that goes into my next topic, our second topic for today, the future aspirations for the Browns. And I'm going to keep it simple for you and just give you the open floor. Where does Cleveland go from here? Like, do they have any key losses or gains this off season that you see any hope? Or, uh, I should have rephrased this. It says any hope for the future, but I should say, how far does that hope go for the future? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, as I was saying before, it's something that we're really not used to talking about here in Cleveland. And that is after already having a great season, where do we go from here? I think that this Browns team, they need to make it a, a few adjustments. They need to, I would say, have another off season together and then um, another year with coach Stefanski, another training camp or, or have you. And then they can go into the regular season prepared, acclimated and more of a cohesive unit than they were this past season. But I really feel like the sky is the limit for the Browns and Let's just assume that the whole COVID thing is done, which I really hope it is, before next season, and it's a normal NFL football season. I think the Browns have a chance to be a Super Bowl contender, and, and that's a huge thing to say because, like I keep saying, in, the, in this past decade and beyond, there really hasn't been much optimism going into a season like there is right now. Everybody's excited for next year. And this year isn't even over yet for those final four remaining teams in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And one question I, I definitely got to ask you is another thing that kind of goes into a lot of people's like mindset, if you will, is strength of schedule. And last year, I think we saw a lot more 
than a lot of people would have would have thought that we would. But and this year, looking at the from looking at last year's schedule for the Browns, it was the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bengals, Colts, Colts, Texans, Eagles, Redskins, Ins, or the Washington football team, if you will. Oh, pardon me. He, the Raiders, and then you had the Jaguars, the Titans, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Jets. Obviously, a little bit, you know, you look at some of the teams that you list on there. Not necessarily that strong of a schedule, but you look at the opponents for next year. Obviously, you got the Bengals, Ravens, Steelers as, as you know, three divisional teams. You'll always see them home and away. Okay? But then you look at some of the teams that they're going to wind up facing. You look at the home opponents. It's going to be the Bears, the Broncos, the Lions, the Raiders, and the Texans. Teams that the Browns can and handle. Sometimes some of the teams that the Browns have actually seen being a lower-seeded opponent. And then you look over at the away opponents and the games that they have on the road. Oh, you got the Chargers on the road with Justin Herbert coming up, and a lot of people saying if Justin Herbert had a little bit more weapons and everything like that, could have been a stronger team. Kansas City Chiefs, Green Bay Packers, currently fighting in the championship if games on on um on Sunday and the two teams favored it to go to the Super Bowl. You got the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Need I say more? It, Belichick probably the best coach in the NFL. Oh, and then you got the Minnesota Vikings things as well as well as uh, returning Joe Burrow oh in Cincinnati, a Lamar Jackson heavy team that found its stride toward the end of the year this year. And a pissed off Pittsburgh Steelers team that again you go two games with for both teams. Hearing the strength of schedule and everything like that, it's a lot tougher than it was this year, or in my opinion. What what are your takes on the schedule for next season? And like, and are the Browns going to be able to, you know, in your opinion, can the Browns hang with this type of a schedule? Because obviously, again, comparing the opponents, a lot more tougher competition coming their way in 2021. Yeah, and and that's an excellent point you you bring up. But I would say that one of the oldest sayings in the books is you got to beat the best to, to be the best. And that's what the Browns are going to have to do. I mean, even if you have, say, the easiest schedule in the NFL, once you get to the playoffs, you still have to play the best teams and you still have to beat them. So I, I feel like it, it's not necessarily a good thing that the Browns have to play tough opponents. But it is good in the sense that they will have some experience against those teams that they might face again in the playoffs. And they can get acclimated to that sort of competition instead of just playing easy opponents that are the laughing stock of the league. Now, if you play these good teams and you lose, and let's say you don't, you end up not making the playoffs, well, then do you really deserve to be a playoff team in the first place? Do you really deserve to be competing against the best for the Super Bowl? I would say no. So overall, I feel like the strength of schedule, sure, it, it makes some fans nervous and it makes me a bit nervous too. But I feel like that if the Browns get that experience against those great teams, it can be beneficial down the road when they are um, hopefully in the playoffs yet again, and it can maybe even help them become a better playoff football team. I got you. Now, the, the other thing I want to touch on with the schedule, and 
I actually had slowly just realized this is um, on the schedule. I mentioned you guys are going back out on the road to Kansas City. Wonder if we were talking about that anytime soon, anytime recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Last week, Eek. obviously, he a lot of, I'm not going to say bad blood, but I'm definitely going to say a lot of animosity, a lot of fire going into that because a lot of people, once Mahomes got hurt, or said the Browns are going to be coming back and getting this. And you guys almost came back, but if it wasn't for, a gutsy call by Andy Andy Reid, probably a play that everybody's going to be talking about for a while down the line. I mean, what, what's it like for the Browns to see Kansas City on the schedule and not only seeing that, but knowing how close you were to beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead and in a playoff game, more or less a divisional round game, game for that matter, or and just getting that rematch to where – this could be a situation where you see them again in the playoffs, and this could be a situation where or it, this is a playoff matchup for years to come. Um, so getting the Chiefs at home again and or on the road if you're the Browns owns what what does that mean to you guys getting that rematch that you guys know you could you can take and be a team that actually gives Kansas City a sweat on their back? Oh, I think it's it's a uh, huge matchup, something to really look forward to, something that I'm sure all the players on the players and coaches on the Browns have marked on the schedule as one of the games next year that's going to be a a fierce competitive um, game between two playoff teams that face each other, like you guys mentioned, and it's really going to show where are the Browns in this upcoming year when you play, like I was saying, a team that's going to be most likely in the playoffs again next season. I mean, they are still going to have their great quarterback and and all their great uh, star players beside him. And it's going to be a matchup that certainly NFL fans are going to want to see. And if the Browns are able to beat, the Chiefs in the regular season next year, it's a good indicator to show that the Browns are on the right path towards the playoffs and towards having even more success in those playoffs. Now, quickly on the flip side, if the Browns go into Arrowhead and they get absolutely destroyed by those Kansas City Chiefs, it's going to open up some eyes and say, hey, maybe we need to make some adjustments or we need to make a trade or a, a, a future draft pick or just this or that here and there. And I think that's going to be a really big indicator game as to where are the Browns in the upcoming season. Now you mentioned how in case they get, you know, blown out by Kansas city, uh, let me ask a, a follow-up to that follow-up. If I may say you go and for for circumstance sake they do lose but they only lose by like a slim margin possibly three six something in the single digits it's not terrible it's not you know not a sign of lacking really anywhere but how do you how would you go about doing that if you're the Cleveland Browns and you lose by three do you take that as a sign of okay we're still growing and we're just still taking our baby steps there or 
Uh, is it more or less an issue of there's one gap that we need to fill? We just need to dissect that and diagnose the problem area. Well, like you just said, uh, dissecting, diagnosing, I mean, they'd have to take a look at the game as a whole and just see what the team did wrong, where they were unable to finish or unable to grab the lead at the end, and what can they improve on. But I definitely feel like I know it still counts as a win for Kansas City and a loss for Cleveland. And then even if it's a 30-point blowout, um, it's still a win and a loss, et cetera, et cetera. But you're able to look at the film and, and dissect what went on in the game and basically just say, this is what we have to improve on. This is what we were already good at. And this is where we can go from here. And I think Kansas City is just a great team to do that against because they are so talented and they are such a great team as we saw recently. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that statement, um, but uh, it was good that JT brought up your schedule next year, but I want to focus more on what's close to home for Cleveland. And that's the AFC North. Now. Yeah. I, I don't know if you had much to check out our episodes or anything, but it's apparent that JT and I are clear Steeler fans. Mark, our third analyst is not, not so much. Mark actually predicted the Browns to go to the Super Bowl and from day one. But um, what I want to know from you with the recent happenings in Pittsburgh uh, with Joe Burrow being back next year uh, and Steelers sort of adopting a modern transition to uh, the game of football by bringing in Dwayne Haskins yesterday, you know, a dual threat combination quarterback that can run and throw. Um, and they're probably going to be going on undergoing some construction in the off season um, with it being as competitive as it is and where it will be here next season. Uh, where do you see the Browns fitting into that mold in terms of uh, local competition going up against the Steelers who they beat in the wild card round. So that's going to carry some weight in that game. And then with the Cincinnati Bengals who are sort of, uh, sort of building up from the beginning already leading with Joe Burrow uh, and they'll, and you know, obviously he'll be back for next season. And then Baltimore is Baltimore. They're still a tough team, no matter what. So how do you see Cleveland standing up to that in the AFC North? Well, yeah, it's certainly going to be a tough division. I mean, every year you guys are lucky to be Steelers fans because the Steelers just find a way to be good every single season, no matter who's the quarterback or, or who they have. They just have that culture and that way of building their team and, and maintaining it. And then, like you said, with the, the Ravens are the Ravens. They're one of the best teams in the league. And even though they lost in the playoffs, that remains the same. And then the Bengals are up and coming. So it's going to be a difficult division for the Browns to compete in. But I also feel like those other three teams that I just mentioned are looking at the Browns and saying, Cleveland is no longer this laughingstock team that we've been playing all these years. And we actually have to take them seriously now. And their thinking is just kind of like what I said about the other teams, that this is a good team that we have to face and we have to take them seriously. And so the competition in the AFC North is going to be great, and it's really going to take an excellent team to win that division. So uh, if you're a football fan, you should look forward to the AFC North and those matchups because they're going to be great. Now, I don't know if you touched on this, is it was 
but kind of just going to re-ask a question, I guess, if it didn't get answered. Or for you guys, you just brought it up. Um, usually you guys are the laughing stock. And over the past, I want to say it was like, aside from this year, I think from like 2015, maybe to, or no, 2016, maybe to 2019, even, or even 2018, if you guys will. Oh, you guys kind of were always fighting for that bottom seed. And now it was, and pretty much it was, you know, it was always you guys in Cincinnati who were fighting down on that bottom seed. And everybody was always saying, and, oh, who's going to take the basement crown this year? Now you guys are actually in the conversation of hitting up that at golden crown with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And all of a sudden now, oh, even with the resurgence of the Bengals, even though they went 4-11-1, that was still a solid 4-11-1 considering who they beat and who they went up against. And right now... Everybody's fighting for the golden crown. What what is it like, not only as a fan, but like a journalist and an in an analysis kind of way? What is it like now going from talking about, you know, oh, all right, we got to look towards the draft, look at you know getting pick two through four, or look at getting the number one overall pick in the draft, after to going to, who you know it's halfway through the season and we're talking about getting the golden crown and getting Cleveland's first AFC North championship in God knows how long. Yeah. So it's a completely different feeling uh, from a fan's perspective and from a a journalistic perspective too. I would say that this fan base is so used to losing that really every season by the middle of the year, we were already starting to look at draft picks and, and who are we going to take with a top five pick next year. Now it's, wow, we play in a phenomenal division like you just went over, and we also are contending in that division. So it's not like it used to be where, sure, the Steelers, Ravens, and sometimes the Bengals were the best team in the divi- best teams in the division and the Browns were the bottom feeders. So it really didn't matter because we were going to lose anyway. Now it's kind of like, wow, all these teams are great. These matchups are going to be great and they're going to be meaningful. And the, the winner of this division is really going to have to earn it. And that's going to be true for next year and the, the years coming and Yes, there are some wild card spots that you you can take. I, I mean, there were there were two this year. Usually, it's 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 different. But what I feel overall is that it's going to be a competitive division, and that's for sure. And I, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but you have to uh, beat the best to to be the best, and I think that remains the same with the AFC North. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, it's a classic Greg Flair quote, quote, if you will. Personally, it's one of my favorite quotes. But one thing I do want to bring up with you, and the one thing that I think that needs probably the most attention, and it's something that we've been hitting on a little bit, but this is something that I feel like is huge, and it's a huge part of Cleveland sports, especially when it comes to Browns, the dog pound, or Browns nation, if you will, the mm-hmm. fans. 
and have been dying to get something going, have been dying to get something to cheer about for the first time in a long time. I'm the dog pound has something to go off of and cheer about. Oh, as a Browns fan or however you want to put it, it, it obviously when we get fans back in these stands and everything like that, uh, we know Cleveland's going to be rocking. We know how passionate Cleveland is, is about their sports. What does it mean to Cleveland fans to be able to get their team back, to be going absolutely nuts and honestly just being that fan base that they've always wanted to be? Well, I think it, it means everything to this fan base. I know I mentioned uh, the Cavs and LeBron and Sure, the Cavs won the championship in 2016. Now, that was thrilling, and it was amazing for this city and whatnot, but it just doesn't compare to what it would be like if the Browns were to ultimately win that Super Bowl. And so having this team and this franchise finally on the right track with many pieces and parts in place that are actually supposed to be in their proper places you talk about the head coach, you talk about Baker, you talk about the running backs, and you could just go on and on and on. Finally, having those pieces and parts in place is just so exciting for the fans. And everybody was disappointed about the loss to the Chiefs in the playoffs, of course, because it was a playoff loss and, you know, you want to win every single game possible. But then everybody would follow that statement up with a, uh, oh, but this year was so great and we look forward to next year and it's going to be extremely exciting. So it means everything to the fan base and winning a Super Bowl would just be the peak of it all. So that's what the ultimate goal is. And we obviously didn't reach it this year, but hopefully in the coming years, that's where this team will be at. So we're looking forward to that. All I'm going to say on that one is... I, I think I've said it a couple of times, Iams, is the fact that Philadelphia, we, we saw how Philadelphia got uh, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. We see how passionate Cleveland fans are. We see how, how excited they get. Personally, I fear for the city when the Browns win the Super Bowl because, honestly, the party they're going to be throwing is going to be absolutely unbelievable, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I remember taking a trip to Philadelphia after they won the Super Bowl. And let me tell you that like there was it, it wasn't pretty even weeks after the win. But I, I do hope for the future of the Browns. I hope there is a Super Bowl in the near future for them. Uh, and that's coming from a Steelers fan, which says a lot. Um, but I mean, just with the road they've had, obviously, it's been arduous. It's been tasked or it's been, you know, weighing on them and I think it's due time for them to reach the Super Bowl and you mentioned it Zach you know they may have lost to the Chiefs in the playoffs but I don't see it as a loss I see it more as a you know a small victory you know you got better you held it with them uh you you pretty much took the best player in the game out with not intentionally but still like you were able to pick apart their offense and sort of uh work it out a little bit to the point where you brought it close um it's just damn Andy Reid <laughs> But yeah, I totally think that there is a Super Bowl possibility for them in the future. And I hope it comes relatively soon because that, that city deserves it. But um, we talk Super Bowl. 
Uh, and of course, we got one coming up, Super Bowl 55. Uh, there's four teams that could be possibilities for who, um, who could be uh, in that and who could come out on top. Uh, in our last episode, JT and I, along with Mark, we unveiled our picks for him. But Zach, you're the guest of honor, so I want to get your picks. Who do you think is going to win the AFC-NFC title games this weekend? Who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl? And who do you think is going to be the overall Super Bowl champion for this season? So my picks, it's it's kind of difficult to say because the status of Patrick Mahomes is not – it's a little bit up in the air. But I, I definitely like the Green Bay Packers, and I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills over Kansas City. I'm, I'm going to say that Mahomes just – isn't the same guy that he he usually is and and that leads to a loss and then in the Super Bowl itself I'll say that Aaron Rodgers gets another one and the Green Bay Packers win it all I like that I like that thinking I share it share the thought process JT what's your uh what's your thoughts on his picks I love it. I, I seriously do. Get that bad man in Green Bay. Hey, his first ring since 2009. I, I love it. It's yeah, well, yeah, hopefully, you know, they can walk in and uh, tear it down. Um, I, I like that Super Bowl prediction. I think it would definitely make for a more interesting game. Uh, but we'll see how it pans out. Uh, this weekend, we got the Bucks and the um, Packers going up against the bills and chiefs over in the afc that those are going to be exciting games make sure to tune in but as for today guys we want to thank you so much and from all of us here at inside the three we want to thank zach for coming on to this uh, on our podcast being our first guest and talking some cleveland browns some afc north some uh playoff aspirations so zach thanks once again for going inside the three with us and we hope to uh work together with you guys soon yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I wish you the uh, best of luck with this podcast moving forward. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, talk again sometime soon. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate all the all the luck and support and uh, we'll keep in touch with you guys. But as for this episode, guys, I've been Jake along with JT and our special guest, Zach from Cleveland Sports Talk. Again, go follow them at Cleve Sports Talk on Twitter and Instagram, and then go type in Cleveland Sports Talk on Facebook, show them some love, get their support and follow them. They got a great source and great site going on for them. Pretty exciting content. And uh, we'll be retweeting some stuff on our Twitter account. And if you want to go follow us as well, it's at it three show Instagram or excuse me, Twitter and Facebook. We're looking to get some Instagram, maybe more social media here soon, but we got to add a few more members for that. But yeah, thanks once again to Zach and JT. And for all them, I've been Jake and you've just been Inside the Three.